Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go on a Thursday. Silver 7's is the home of Cofield and Company on Thursdays. Willie Ramirez is here. What's up, Willie? What's happening? I've already been sweated by security. Um... But I'm in a good mood. Were you wearing a hood in 88-degree weather? I am wearing a hoodie, and I'm not wearing an 88-degree weather because I'm inside. So being hot is all a matter of mind over matter. And I was being sweated because I came in with a grilled Chick-fil-A sandwich, and I didn't bring brownies for the front desk crew. Oh, well, that's that's a good reason to be sweated. I, I didn't know they had brownies. Okay. I just always – if I need – if I'm out and about and I need some protein – I try to find some place that has grilled chicken. So, right. there, and, so you didn't have a chance hey, to stop at one of our how, one of our clients, our actual clients, Raising Cane's, give Chick-fil-A the free pop? I did Chick-fil-A last week on my birthday week. Just keeps doing it, Ari. And, no, I loaded up, on, on and I, I got the biggest one. Okay. So that way I had meals for the next two days because I can no longer do the whole thing in one shot. I'm just so fat. But I think fat's a relative term. Oh, just like being hot in a hoodie. That's a personal choice. So is being fat. Are you fat? Are you out of shape? You feel like you're out of shape? You need a little build-me-up here for the next three hours? No. I just, we, I, get, we need a book of 530 guests to tell Willie he's, he's slim and hot. No, no. I knew. I don't need anyone telling me any parts of that. Just sure. leave me be. Actually, I need the opposite, so that way it'll motivate me to get into back into, you know, even though I'm... I did. I am proud of myself, Steve, because... I you just took a picture of the gym the other day. I yeah. thought you were like, oh, kind of empty. Yeah. That's not how you said it, that but I knew what you were saying. 3 a.m. Uh, today was the first. I just got done doing a 10-week program in which you do percentages of your anchor weight on push, pull, and leg day. So you're doing a percentage of your anchor weight on deadlift, bench press, and squat on the respective days. And on the 11th week, which is this week, you test all your maxes. Now, my all-time max is not 315 on squatting. It's like 368 in a powerlifting gym with the kilo plates. But today, for the first time since knee surgery last year, hit 315 for a one-rep max. God. The recovery, the mending of a somewhat old guy. Pretty amazing story. Pretty I, inspirational. I, I basically squat out of Cofield. Okay. <laughs> sure. I'm post, right there. Post-vacation. I'm right there. Uh, so Willie got his weightlifting stuff in. Uh, Ari has been really aggressive on sending over stories and kind of trying to shoehorn him in the show. So I wanted to open up with... A video. Did you watch the video? Is this the left turn guy? There we go. Do you notice in the notes, Ari, it says, please watch videos before the show? Yeah. Okay. No, this was oh, a, the, the, the a, lady with the Jamaica. A, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. a video uh, of a woman on an airplane yeah. saran wrapping her three seats, yes. creating sort of a bubble yes. deal. I and uh, Ari, what were your comments on this? I did see this. Oh, I, uh, excuse me. My I Lord, can, can everyone be, can we just start the open again? What is going on? Every, let's go. Crank it up. I asked if she was insane or brilliant, I said. What do you think? Uh, she spent all that money for three seats, so that yeah. part's insane. What do you think, our, our, uh, Willie? Insane, brilliant? Brilliant. Yeah? I, I love it. You, you, know what, you know what I thought when I watched the video? I thought, actress. actress. Not real. Oh. And if you actually read all the comments, about 95% of them were like, this is fake. Now, it said it was kind of based on a true story. Do I believe that someone got on a plane and started to saran wrap three seats to make a bubble? No, I do not. It did say in the video 
it suggested that she started doing this once the flight attendants were in their place for takeoff. I don't think that could happen. But it's a funny notion that people, you know, are are scared and would wrap up their seats in saran wrap. So it's a good bit. But well, I think did, I, yeah. I think it was another deal where Ari kind of bought it hook, line, and sinker. Oh, that's me. Now he will try to come over the top now and say he didn't. But go no, ahead. I no, I'm just. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I just. I'm just saying hypothetically, I would love that privacy. Are you kidding me? I, I know it's it's probably fake. Okay, get it. But imagine right. that just not enclosed without having to deal with all the people. Oh. Right, so I don't think it's a matter of whether we bought into it or not. You just asked if she's insane or brilliant. I think it, but here's the problem is. She's insane. It's it's stupid. It Here's the here's the great thing is that she's not really, well, she's not intruding on her space. The only thing she's really intruding is when she when the plastic hits the seats in front of her three. But other than that, okay. it, it's on her seats. It's in her space. She's creating a little roof. Ari, can you tweet this out? We always like to do a video on radio and then let people watch it on ESPN Las Vegas on Twitter, please. Yes. Would you do this at home in in the man cave? No. Why would you? I don't understand why you would do this. Just to keep people out. Just just in general. I actually, of all the people on the show, I may seem the grumpiest because I'm on every day and I speak every day. Ari doesn't speak every day. So if people think I'm the grumpiest on the show, you're certainly not. I'm not. I don't don't hate people. No, Adam does. Yes. And I, Ari, I think, truly does. Now, we want to remind you, Ari no. is going to be on the road to hang with you guys, Buffalo Wild Wings, on Saturday. He's got a viewing party going down for the Aces. We'll give you more details on that. So meet, greet, hang out with Ari, watch women's basketball. And uh, he really is a, he's a hell of a guy. This saran wrap thing about you know, putting it on your seats in an airplane is all just a little bit of a bit. Ari. He loves people. Ari's, yeah, Ari doesn't dislike people. He just dislikes us. Especially if you're a, uh, we'll have to get into this conversation later on with, Xavier Pope about Martha Stewart. If you are doinkable and you're 82 or under, uh, not all the way under, like down to you know 20, then Ari will very much chat you up. I've seen it in yeah, person. Yeah, Ari's click. Ari's seen it in person with another client of the past, uh, Pizza Rock. Either uh, he worked uh, he worked his nads off. Ari's he either swiping remote. or clicking the little like button on Hinge if you're 82 or whatever. Yes. Okay. Hey, why not? Martha Stewart looked okay. Um, boy, it was. Really, really satisfying to see. I didn't even know this this uh, bet had gone down, but did you see? I guess yeah. did we have a mayor bet between uh, mm-hmm. Edmonton and was this uh, Mayor Goodman? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And she and she actually she had tweeted it out right when it happened. And uh, she said, uh, "Welcome to Las Vegas. Are you look at, looking forward to a great series?" Um, beforehand, let's make a friendly bet. But then afterwards, she said like something like, "Welcome to." Vegas, or you look good as a golden knight, something to that effect. So yeah, no, that was it was it was in place. The tweets were out there, and um, Carolyn Goodman obviously got the best of Edmonton's mayor. So go buy the winning jersey if your team loses and wear it to a council meeting. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. seems good. No silly exchanges of uh, official foods, which we really don't. We've gotten round and round on this a bit with Vegas. We really don't have an official food. Mm-hmm. I still say it's probably shrimp cocktail. Didn't we invent it? I think we invented the shrimp cocktail. It's so. it's it's like if you look at uh, foods famous for these cities, uh, shrimp cocktail. I believe, like I, I did this once, and I can't remember what the heck it was for. Oh, remember I was going to do videos a couple of years back with our perfect seasonings for uh, Monday Night Footballs. Any any all the teams that were on, we were going to create some videos. And when I looked up Vegas, shrimp cocktail was the number one food for all cities. 
or for the Las for Las Vegas. You're laughing at me, so you got no, me distracted. No, no, no. no sorry. Um, anyway, I did look. I just looked up the tweet. Carolyn said, "You look great as a member of the Golden Knights, um, Mayor, whatever the, his name is." Your team was very tough, and we know we will see Edmonton again. In the meantime, the city of Edmonton is welcome to join us in cheering the Knights on to the Stanley Cup. I don't think that Edmonton and their fans are going to be cheering the Golden Knights anytime soon, especially Alex Petrangelo. So Bruce Cassidy spoke yesterday, talked about motivation. Someone asked him a question about the pass and you know, said, hey, we know you weren't here, but this group has gone to the Western Conference Finals a couple times, also missed the playoffs another year. Do you think that's their motivation? He responded by saying, well, for some, you know, if I were in that position, it might be mine. But, you know, getting to the Western Conference Final and having the Stanley Cup Final in front of you, that should be enough motivation. Um, You know, the weird one here is their old coach, Pete DeBoer, is on the other side, but I don't think most of the players disliked Pete DeBoer. Mm -mm. Nobody did. Right? Mm -mm. He had a good relationship with the team. I mean, he got put in a really weird position. This is in the history annals now, but he got put in a really – Weird position of kind of covering for Robin Leonard, who, looking back on it, maybe didn't deserve the cover. But there was a whole you know weird deal with management and what DeBoer had to do, and then DeBoer kind of slipped a little bit. And so, if DeBoer's, I mean, if anyone's max motivated, it's DeBoer to get his team ready to beat his old bosses. That well, there's motivation on Peter DeBoer, which he downplayed in the story I read uh, on the Dallas News. Um, that you know he's really trying to downplay that whole storyline, and of course he is. He doesn't want to overtake. That's just him. He doesn't want to overtake the, the headlines and the and the attention from his players. He wants them to stay focused. That this you know he's not the one stepping on the ice. So that's just Peter DeBoer, and that's in his genetic code to not sort of let that get carried away. As for the players, I truly believe that there is going to be. It doesn't matter that in the 2020 uh, bubble, the Golden Knights and Peter DeBoer. Lost to the Dallas Stars in the Western Conference Final. This is where they they all of a sudden their offense disappeared. This is when the beginning talks of the power play struggles. That's when it all really began. And then Dallas went on to lose to the Tampa Bay Lightning in the Stanley Cup Final. So some of those players absolutely are going to think about that, but I don't think it's a lingering effect that it's Dallas, that it's loot. You know, it's more so that the hunger of wanting to get to the Stanley Cup Final after being a part and being brought in, especially these superstar names, being brought in to get the team to the Stanley Cup Final. That's motivation enough, Bruce Cassidy's right. Is there going to be, you know, lingering? I don't I don't think so. I mean, it's, it's three years removed, two and a half, you know, because the bubble, that, that season kind of went on everything. So I I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, th- I think Bruce is right. All right. I buy it. I buy it. I buy most of what Bruce says. I, I like Bruce's honesty. I, I haven't. Have you come across a moment this year where you're like, "Yeah, I think he's being dishonest with us." Never. Right? No. Nope. It's kind of unique with coaches because he's never said anything that makes you feel he's lying. Right. If he just avoids it, you know he's not allowed to. He can't talk. But he doesn't him and haw right. and give you a BS answer. He just well, he gives real answers. Right. Or he doesn't. If he doesn't, then you understand right. he can't. When he will. Meanwhile, like, we we do. As fans of sports, we do get lied to pretty much every day right. by someone. Yeah. And sometimes you can understand it's covering for something. Like the other day I defended Aaron Judge when he was part of a sign-stealing scheme. Uh, he had a cover for his guys in the dugout. Um, I understood that. I thought it was kind of insulting that he was trying, not trying to cover, but the words he used 
But uh, but with Cassidy, I, I don't know. I think he speaks pretty honestly most of the time. Uh, last night, Celtics fall and fall badly, embarrassingly. Boy, this is crazy, isn't it? I feel like every basketball expert we've talked to, I was looking at charts kind of like the Edmonton-Las Vegas series or Vegas-Golden Knights series, yeah. Willie, where it was, what, 24, 27 experts in hockey mm-hmm. from ESPN had picked the Oilers. I saw everyone picking the Celtics. I saw some ESPN analytic the uh, other day. We talked about it on Monday, right? 3% chance the Heat could win the series. They come out and win game one, nine-point deficit at the half. They score 46 in the third. Uh, Jimmy Buckets, Butler goes off again for 35 and then fills the rest of the stat sheet. They win game one in a series where they have no shot, apparently. Minus 600 favorites. And I was told minus 600 was cheap. Didn't even shock me. Amazing. They they were they are, No shot. They were going into yesterday. Well, they're now 3-0 and in game ones this postseason. All three on the road at Milwaukee, at New York, at Boston. Here's a stat for you. Since the... 2020 bubble the heat have won seven playoff games where they lost three of the four quarters the rest of the nba has seven such wins combined seven the heat have won seven alone when they've lost three of the four quarters after last night because they had lost three of the four quarters last night i have been saying this since this eastern conference final Hey, you can loud all you want about the Boston Celtics and what they've done and, you know, same thing with the Nuggets in terms of the Lakers, the seeding, whatever. The best coach remaining in the postseason is Eric Spolscher. This dude has been there forever. How many conference finals has he been to? He's got the experience. He's coached against the best of the best. He's coached the best of the best. This dude understands adjustments and what needs to be done. And this could be a big mismatch on the sidelines. Joe Mazzulla is a new coach. Yeah. And the Celtics, no the, the Celtics have been consistently inconsistent. And yeah. they've had trouble in game once. You remember the, the – I mean, how does a Sixer series with a beat-up Joel, Joel Embiid go that long? And they lose game one of that series. That's so right. I think the Heat are very much in the series. I think it would be a very long series. Uh, we're going to get back to the Golden Knights and get you ready for the series against Dallas. That kicks off tomorrow at the Fortress. We're going to check in with uh, reporter Covers. The Dallas Stars, Joe Hoyt at the Dallas Morning News. That'll be in the 5 o'clock hour. Lock that in. And coming up in just a couple minutes, I want to get back to our conversation yesterday. If you missed it, D-Down Thomas Sr. was on with us. His son, DJ, massive recruit, 2024 recruit, who is going to play this year. We'll give you the details on, you know, what uh, D-Down Sr. said yesterday uh, because he did kind of lay out the reasons that he could play. He said a decision hasn't been made. But coming up, more of the conversation with D-Down Thomas Sr., who, of course, is a former runner rebel. Daily happy hour from 3 to 5 p.m. Pint shots and margaritas for $2.77 at the Silver and Gold Sports Bar inside the Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. Big show on the way. We're going to get to uh, more of the conversation yesterday with UNLV's uh, mega commit DJ Thomas's dad. Dedon was on Dedon Sr. Dedon Jr. is headed to UNLV, but when? We'll give you uh, some of Dedon's answers here in just a couple minutes. I was asking the guys during the break. What else they watched on TV last night between or aside from Celtics and Heat? Willie, you said what? Really no other time, right? No, I don't, you didn't chill out and watch TV? I don't throw shows on at home. 
because I, if, if I'm watching something or a series or I'm going to watch something that has 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 12, 15 episodes, yeah. I use that to my advantage and do it during cardio. Otherwise, I won't have anything to watch, and I don't have motivation to go get on the damn machine. For I get it. it. So I get it. I don't, I'll just find a movie to watch and fall asleep to. All right. You know what I did yesterday? Right. You know what I did yeah. real quick? You yeah, know yeah. what I did that, that, that is very irregular for me? I spent an hour in my bedroom and folded about, Whoa. and I kid you not, eight loads of laundry that have been sitting there rotating. And here's how long one of the loads have been sitting there, Steve. I folded and put away two turtlenecks that I last wore during the regular season in the winter under some suits. I don't do long. I have a cow and I sleep with my laundry. Do you have enough? That is weird. Sometimes that happens uh, to us as well. Um, do you have enough clothes that fit you that you can do like 10 loads of laundry? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I have enough clothes overall that I could do 100 loads of laundry, but only like four fit me No, no, no. I could. because I hoard. That's so right. that that sweet button down shirt that I had when I weighed 160 at 17, I still have it because I'm going to fit into it. At some point, it's your motivation. Yeah, I hate, it's not motivation. I it's a sickness. Hate, I, <laughs> There's going, I, I'm going to be on hoarders and they're going to they're basically going to be pulling me out well, I mean, with maggots all over my body because I'm, I'm, I've just been buried underneath the... Uh, all the garbage I have. I will hang suits that are just a little snug. I will. I have these racks in my bathroom outside the walk-in closet. Right. I will hang ones that are a little snug, and it makes me motivate because I always say, okay, I want to wear that one by this date or this game. So, anyway. What right. you, What'd you watch, Lashley? Uh, we'll get to it later if I remember because oh, okay. we, we spent enough time on that. I think we uh, we got to hustle now because we got Xavier Pope coming up at the end of the hour and a lot more on John Morant because he may have lost some of his deals or at least he's being put – his part is being put on hiatus. But we talked to Deion Thomas Sr. yesterday in the 5 o'clock hour, and I figure, you know, people listen to different hours so they don't get to hear all the conversations. And we started off the conversation asking him, hey, you know, the process is over. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you feel, and what did you tell DJ as it was coming down the stretch? I wouldn't want to be in your shoes, man, because, you know, you got some, you got some, some beautiful opportunities you know, at the end, you had schools like Georgia Tech, uh, Alabama. Um, we got some calls from Kentucky. You know, so he had, he had some really, really good opportunities, some really, really good academic schools that came in. And, and you know, I mean, it was a tough decision, but, you know, he made the, he made. I think he, he ended up making the right choice for him. He did say in the conversation, Willie, that uh, DJ went into the NCAA tournament watching the NCAA. Well, he, he had hoped to announce before the NCAA tournament he had his mind made up on a school before the NCAA tournament. He came out of the tournament and changed his mind. We're still talking about that as a family. We're just happy that we got past this big obstacle of finding the cut. Okay. Uh, does that surprise you that he actually had another school in mind before the tournament and something in the tournament? And yeah. and he said he wouldn't say which school he was he was he had picked before the tournament. I wonder what changed it for him. That is odd and strange, and I, ha- I the only thing I can wonder is if, like, if, you know, if it was a whatever school it was, adjustments that were made, but after the ge- after they were they lost, how many of those kids transferred? Like, look to see, like, Gonzaga lost some players. Creighton lost some players. Let's look to see who he was recruited by. Look to see who his finalists were, and then who lost some players. It might be telling toward – you know, the other thing is how many players from Las Vegas were on teams that were in the tournament that he could reach out to, and they were like, dude, you don't want to go there. It, it could be a number of factors, but the first thing I would think of is how many transfers left a team that bowed out from a team that he 
had on his final list. The next big decision for him, because it's not official that he's coming this season, he has to reclassify bump from a 2024 to a 2023. Here's what Dedon initially said about that decision. We're still talking about that as a family. We're just happy that we got past this big obstacle of finding the right. school for him to go to. We're going to take this thing one day at a time. We just got done with that decision. We'll, right. we'll talk here the next week, week or two, and, and figure out exactly what, what he's going to do and when he's going to do it. Kevin Kruger was quoted in the uh, RJ as saying, because he couldn't really comment directly on DJ Thomas and the commit until he signs the NLI, that we're happy with our point guard for 23-24. So I assume he's reclassifying. I think that's part of this decision. The family says, hey, we need a couple of weeks to make the decision. Listen to Dedon Sr. Speak a little more about the decision, and I think it becomes pretty clear where they're going. You know, going to the Mountain West, and, and not only that, going to a school that has some older kids on it, some, you know, the, the three um, Big 12 kids that transfer there, Webb coming back, you got some other guys coming back to UNLV, some older guys. So, you know, this, this UNLV will be a, a, a easier. It's like every year he takes a really big jump. He works on something different, and he just looks different. And when I see him playing in the summertime right now against some of these high school kids, it's slowed down for him, and when you look at him play now, he's so poised, and it's 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 the game has slowed down for him in high school, and it just looks easy. And not that it'll be easy playing Division One basketball, but it's it's slowed down for him. And some of the things that we're seeing him do um, this summer, it's 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 time for him to it's time for him to go play in in, in Division One basketball. And even talking to some of the the other schools that was recruiting them, the UCLA's, the, you know, the Arizona's, you know, they're 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 willing to take him right now. So I think we know where Dad sits on the decision. We haven't heard from his mother, and his mother's pretty active on social media. I think she was especially thrilled that he's staying home so that she can see him right around the corner. Ninety-nine point nine percent sure he's playing this coming season. He's ready, and he's uniquely ready. This is the crazy part. He's only seventeen. While other kids are holding back and, you know, they're old 18, almost 19 when they're freshmen, this is a young incoming freshman. Wait a minute. but before He's always played up. He's always played the older I, I got it, opponents. I got it, I got it. Well, the audience didn't hear all that, so that was part of the interview. But before you said that in a conversation with Kevin Kruger, he said he's happy with the point guard for the 2023-24 season. So if he's happy with his point guard, why would Dedon want to reclassify and, and jump up? Well, who's the point guard for the 23-24 season? I don't know. Who's he happy with? Is he saying he's happy with yes. Dedon? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. okay. Yes. That's what I was getting at. Okay, okay. He's got Jackie Johnson coming back. Because he can't comment and, on whom. I and got Justin Webster. So he, without and, saying it, he's like, uh, we have our guy. And also, remember, Liberty upended Gorman two seasons ago, lost last year, and they're losing a good core of – who DJ's teammates were, like Angelo Kambala, he's going on, right? So, I mean, they're losing some guys also. So the program may be fall. He might be left alone. So when, when Senior says it's time for him to go, meaning everyone else is going, it's time for him to go too. Uh, D-Don Senior joined us yesterday. You can find the uh, full interview up at LBSportsNetwork.com. Here's what he said when I asked him, a pretty simple one. You know, why did DJ, why did you, why did the family decide that Kevin Kruger is the right guy to, uh, you know, send your son his way? I think the main thing I like about him personally is Kevin's a good person. And that is, uh, that means a lot to, to our family. I think that's Kevin's biggest um, plus to me is that he's a good person. And 
I know he gets some slack for being young and it's, it, people talk about, well, uh, what, you know, is he a good coach? It's, Kevin's a point guard. Yeah. He was born a point guard. His, his dad was a great coach. And it's usually pretty easy when you're a point guard to, to make that jump from being a point guard to a coach because that's what you are on the court, court anyway when you're playing. We all have our, our growing pains. He'll figure it out. He will, and I have faith that he'll figure it out. Last year, when I watched UNLV play the very first game, I remember telling people around me, this team is going to win 22 games easy if they stay healthy. Easy to win 22 games. Easy. Right. And it would have happened if they wouldn't have gotten hurt. Some of those kids wouldn't have gotten hurt. Um, I thought they were doing a hell of a job. I think he'll get this thing rolling. We just have to be patient. Cofield and Company will be right back. Keep it here on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM. I have never seen a play before. I've never, I haven't done a game here in Denver, and I was trying to figure out when. It's been at least 10 years. Maybe I had a game uh, of theirs in the bubble. I think maybe I did. Uh, but this is really the first time I've had a chance to watch him play. And I gotta admit, I have been sleeping on this guy. Uh, just watching him play last night, I was texting people saying, you know what? This guy is really good. And they're like, we've been trying to tell you that. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver Sevens with Cofield and Company. Uh, Denver sports fans and some of the Denver media, including our buddy Chad Andrews from the Fan in Denver, who came on yesterday, not happy with comments like that. That was Lisa Salters. I think Lisa's awesome, really good sideline reporter. But you got to realize, and I love the honesty, you got to realize when you work for ESPN – and Lisa, I, I think, actually lives in L.A., but when you're a Northeast-based sports media outlet and people feel like all you that you favor the Northeast and the Mountain and the West Coast don't get the love that they should and the coverage, when you have one of your lead reporters on the NBA say that she hadn't really seen Jokic a whole lot, and I think what she should have said in there, and I think it's probably what she meant, seen him up close, seen him in person. But yes. she said twice right. that she hadn't really seen him. Right. I mean, he's a two-time MVP who, frankly, should have been a three-time MVP. And you've got one of your lead reporters saying she hadn't seen him on the heels of Mike Greenberg repeatedly saying that this is a coming-out party for Jokic nationally. Like, it is? Guys, ladies, come on. That's such a bad look to mountain time zone cities and West Coast cities. I mean, it's something we kind of already suspected. But not good. I understand both sides, to be honest with you, because, see, when I first started with you, think about this, or you before I was a full-time host with you and you'd have me on as a guest, he's like, can you come on and talk about this, blah, 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 and by the way, a couple of these. What was the one thing I would always say, don't bring this up because I don't get down there enough. If I don't get paid, I'm not driving into town. And it was UNLV. Well, there's certain things that, that you I don't get to cover. Lo- right. Okay. Right. But admittedly, that- you don't get the coverage. She covers the NBA. Sparingly, You're but right. she doesn't no, no. cover she covers, the Nuggets. She covers the NBA. ESPN doesn't cover the Nuggets, so it puts her behind the eight ball. And apparently, who, it puts Greeny behind the eight ball. I mean, her role is one thing. To be a sideline reporter is one thing during the NBA games. When you're the lead anchor on NBA coverage, yeah, no, for you to say this is a coming out party for a guy like Jokic, like what, coming a guy, out party? a guy who was an MVP candidate for what? Someone in Maine? Like now, you said it best. She should have said, 
No, I've watched, you know, I've seen here and there, but to sit there and watch and study in person, it's a totally different story. Someone like Cassidy Hubbard, who they fly all over the country, and she's seen everybody, she's going to know. Lisa, we see on Monday Night Football, we see on College Football, but we don't really see her as much as we see some of the other uh, sideline reporters. Malika Andrews, she comes off the desk and she does sideline reporting as well. You don't really see Lisa, I think about it, I don't, I can't remember seeing her as much as I've seen some of the other sideline right. reporters. Can I tell you, I hate this so much because we try to get a lot of the female sideline reporters on, and I think in cases like this, because guys are so teed up, especially in the media, to get after women in the media, that they're brutalizing her right now. And then, in turn, there are female media people who are like, yeah, I don't really want to come on. No. Because they feel like it's a whole, it's a gotcha system that, right. we've, that we've built here. Make sure you come down to Silver 7s any day of the week. We're here for the live show on Thursdays from 3 to 6. But you can sign up for the Silver 7s A-Play card. They get a Tuesday gift giveaway. Uh, this coming week, it's uh, oven grip high heat gloves. Love those. I need those. I need everything that they give away. Friday gift giveaway. This Friday, you get a four-slice toaster. You play during uh, the day on Friday in the evening, and you can take advantage of the giveaway there. They've got $500, uh, $500 hourly cash drawings on Fridays. And Saturdays, so you got to sign up. They play card here at Silver Sevens. It's at Flamingo and Paradise. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Willie G Ramirez, or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. or at ESPN Las Vegas. Man, we got some idiots, some fools, some jackasses on television. Josh should make a stand saying he didn't break any laws. He didn't do anything wrong. We're in a state where you can carry your gun. Those guys are just freaking idiots. When you're making $100 million a year to play sports, your life changes. There are certain rules and regulations you have to live by, plain and simple. Lawyer, host of Suit Up News, legal and cultural contributor, Xavier Pope, is live on Cofield and Company. Boy, Charles Barkley so consistently comes across with just name-calling without solid reasoning. You remember it was about a month ago he told Lamar Jackson, hey, you got you to gotta get in line. That's the way it works. Sorry. Got to act now. Yeah, yeah it, it worked. He won. I don't know what has happened to Chuck. Chuck used to be the guy who would fight back. Now he's kind of a, just a pansy bootlicker. I don't get it. Xavier Pope is with us. Xavier, how you doing? Pretty good. How you doing, Steve? <laughs> uh, you know, I'm always cranky. Um, and uh, I'll tell you, everyone copied my take on John Morant and the gun thing on Monday. Um, I know it's very layered, and I know he's had issues, although he's not been officially um, convicted of a crime in the past. Before we get to Barkley versus J.J. Reddick. By the way, the other thing is, and maybe he wasn't allowed to mention J.J. Reddick because, you know, it's ESPN and they work a little bit together with TNT. I don't know what was going on there, but if you're going to call someone a jackass, name the person, right? You're, you're a tough guy, Barkley. Um, in general, what do you think of what's happened here with John Morant and waving the gun, the NBA's response, the Grizz response, and then the response by people like me trying to come over the top and go, guns, guns, guns. I'm okay with it as yeah. long as a crime's not committed. Yeah, I I I, I have a new piece coming out on First and Pen um, about this, um, and it is very layered. And I think it's important that we talk about the layers. Um, and I I talked about this on the Twitter, my Twitter timeline actually went viral, and the conversation really was, it's amazing how people are so upset about John Morant, 
Um, and it seems racialized to me. And 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 Jarrell Barkley, he calls people jackass, then give logical reasons why people would take the stance that they take. <laughs> a state that has an open carry like Tennessee, uh, the, the the police department right after the Memphis police department right after the open uh, the the open carry was released said that people will call police potentially afraid of people who they may be apprehensive about guns openly holding a gun. And so what is the, the, the socially acceptable black gun ownership in this country? Because I don't see it in any way, shape, or form. You see politicians uh, in Christmas cards. Um, and I know that John Morant was jumping around in the car, but he's of the generation of people that had the gunshot challenge. Or people pantomime being shot by a gun. He is in the people are acting silly on TikTok. Um, I think he definitely has all this money invested in him. But it's just just to to ghettoize his behavior when we live in a culture by guns. It's hypocritical. I think he's not right, but this country isn't right either. Uh, let's play the audio here of Barkley versus Reddick first. Here's Barkley basically saying, hey, there's rules, and you're not allowed to question the rules. Now, if you want to do all that stuff and give all that money back, more power to you. You can make that stance. You know what? I want to do what I want to do. I want to flash my gun and make videos and do things. Okay, that's fine. But you can't make money on the NBA doing this stuff. It's amazing. I remember the guy who used to tell people to F off, throw people through plate glass from windows at restaurants, did whatever he wanted, never apologized. Now this is Charles Barkley. And now here's what Reddick said the other day on First Take about John Morant and how we are so gun crazy. We've got mass shooting after mass shooting, and nobody's doing a damn thing about it. So I get why we're so sensitive to this right now. But there's no consequence for Greg Abbott telling his constituents that they should go buy more guns, and then we have mass shooting after mass shooting in Texas. There's no consequence for an elected Tennessee official to send out a Christmas card holding AR-15s with his young family. There's no consequences to that. So why are we, why are we trying to lay down the hammer on a 23-year-old who didn't break a law? Explain that to me. Xavier, explain it to him. Is... As Barkley said, J.J. Reddick, a jackass. Uh, no, J.J. Reddick stopped short of saying black, and I think that's the, that's the glaring component of this. And J.J. Reddick, being a white man, uh, has seems to have more space to say that um, than than other people to have to say this. And I think that people are saying, oh, this is two different conversations. You know, he still did something stupid. Well, okay, he still didn't commit a crime. Uh, exactly. And... I think that's the most important thing to remember is that this person is not a felon. He, he hasn't been arrested. Um, it, it, then the NRA, um, who there's an open carry in Tennessee, who came out after uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, went and shot. he got off on his verdict. They displayed a Second Amendment, uh, and he went and killed people. But there hasn't been any voices on the right that say that John Morant, she is allowed to carry a gun in Tennessee. And so we have to look at this issue from a standpoint of, who, is it okay at all for African Americans to carry guns legally, illegally? There's, there doesn't seem to be a place for that at all. And I think that that's the real discussion that we should be having. The problem that I, that I, I see both sides in terms of where he didn't commit a crime, he was, he was singing along with the video, it was a brief moment he picked it up, the problem is, no, he hasn't been arrested. He didn't commit a crime. But what he did do previously was get suspended 
for the same exact thing, and he's been told that the NBA has certain you know protocols, black or white or Serbian or Russian or whatever it is that you are. There's a certain code of character that they ask you to follow, and he's already been reprimanded for this once. So to do it again, I th- that is where people that are criticizing that he did it again. Well, I don't, don't look at it from that standpoint of they, if this is the behavior he must follow <laughs> because this is something that if, if NBA players they had an issue with, they would fight against that. So let's look at this because all this issue about how John Moran is perceived comes from the Malice and Palace, the jailblazers, the NBA dress code with responding to Allen Iverson and making sure this is the NBA is not seen as a black dud league. As long as you have stars like LeBron James and, and, and Stephen Curry with life's Wife and kids looking looking great. Then fans are going to accept that this is a that the NBA is a black league. But until it, when they step outside of that and project an image that's not that, that's where the NBA has a problem. And so I think that athletes generally sign up for that. And John Morant didn't follow the code, and he's getting in trouble for that. Now the issue is John Morant said, "I'm not going to do this again." He agreed to not do this again, and that's where the issue lies. Um, not in terms of him being some sort of criminal or bad guy. This, this is him being just really pretty much being reckless. Now, I think it's important to, to say he, he definitely does deserve to be punished for this. But the way that people are looking at it has a different sense of what, he, what he's allowed to do in this society, and it looks way worse than, than it does on the surface. Yes, I, I would. Uh, I would ask a lot of people to look into the Jokic brothers and tell me who's more legitimately dangerous, John Morant or the Jokic brothers. Seriously, and that, that's where the perception comes in. And I would love to see the Jokic brothers, uh, you know, carry some guns or have some guns in a picture or a video and see how people would react. I think the reaction would be a lot different. We got a we got a real taco snafu here, and this has been going on for a while. Taco Tuesday. Uh, what is it? Taco John's is the one who's challenging this. Uh, now Taco Bell and Taco John's is the one who you know have the. Do they officially have a copyright on this? Because I know Taco Bell is fired back and they're like, no, 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 no. You don't have the right to just take Taco Tuesday forever. Uh, it's, it's, a tra- it's a trademark, and so uh, I think that they're. I guess they're. I guess they're claiming like some sort of common usage, like Xerox was now. It seemed that it's owned by the public, and it's uh, it's over, over so much overused that the brand can't use it themselves. And I think they have a point, uh, a very strong point. Um, and a lot of names over the course of of history have become so generalized um, that we we, we they're synonymous with the particular thing that I'm being labeled. And so I don't I I think that Taco Bell has a great point, um, regardless of whether it's 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 standing there or not, and to to validly challenge it. It just seems it just seems odd though that it it's taken this long because how long have we been hearing the phrase Taco Tuesday? I mean, it's been years, right? It's a hashtag. People use it all the time. Every Tuesday, you see, you know, moms or people or whomever, hey, cooking Taco Tuesday, and they hashtag it. It's all over the place. It's just like, why now? I, I think that sometimes the law catches up to culture a little bit late. I, I think the social media. And brands using social media to sell um, tacos at restaurants or different brands looking to promote products. Uh, is an, it is a newer phenomenon in terms of that, connecting social media to advertising and customers. Uh, and so I think that now it, it's become a little bit more, more prevalent. Um, and it seems like something we've been doing in our culture for a long time. But the phenomenon in terms of marketing um, is fairly new in terms of the, the medium of social media. 
All right, well, be ready, Xavier. I'm going to be calling you later on because you and I are going to tra- – I'm going to use – you're going to be my lawyer. We're going to trademark Throwback Thursday. I'm glad, by the way, I'm glad you corrected me on copyright and trademark. I was I was blowing that one. All right, last couple topics with Xavier Pope. You can find him up on Twitter. He's freaking awesome up there. The conversation's going on uh, 24-7. Of course, an attorney. He's our cultural contributor as well. So I'm all about uh, the older ladies getting some shine on, you know, how they look and, and fitness and, you know, still being attractive. Uh, your mm-hmm. thoughts on SI featuring 81-year-old Martha Stewart. My choice, if we're going over 80, is Jane Fonda, but maybe she didn't want to do it. What do you think? If you got it, you got it. And if, if you better flaunt it as long as you got it. Uh, don't hate Steve. Um, we know that you, you know not. are definitely not on the cover of the, okay, uh, the, the men Sexiest Alive um, people. I know that's not going to happen for you real soon, but make sure you no. show love. Uh, for, uh, for for this woman, 81 years old, she looked great. I mean, she looked great for any woman. Uh, I think it was it's amazing. I think the beauty should be shown, displayed at all ages, and not a specific type of woman. Uh, and I think a lot of different types of people think a lot of different types of women are beautiful. And it's good to see. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of all ladies. I was a big fan of the magazine back in the uh, 80s, 90s, and early 2000s, Plumpers. I used to see it on the uh, New York. Uh, <laughs> wow. Well, um, and anyway, I uh, my my favorite plus seventy uh, year old is actually Helen Mirren. Um, we got to close on a real she's sick fine. story. Good, keep going. And she's she's a, Helen Mirren is very attractive. Yes, me? yes. yes. Uh, we got to close on a very sick story. Um, Willie's been wanting to bring this up for a couple of days, and I wonder about the legality of this. Uh, story is a man kept father's dead body in freezer so he could talk to him. If it's your dad, is that illegal? Uh, yeah, it, there is uh, certain laws in various states about the use yeah. of dead bodies and how they are are, right. are taken care of. So you just can't just store dead dead relatives in your refrigerator. So um, there, that, that's not a serious crime, but it is a punishable one in various states, um, a very degree. I feel really bad that that legal query on my part seemed very below your qualifications. You're like, yeah, dummy. You, you can't just store a dead body in a freezer. This was in the Netherlands, though, so this guy may be may be okay. Uh, I mean, I, around the world is generally uh, <laughs> unacceptable to hold my It's understood world, worldwide. Don't store <laughs> dead bodies. Uh, <laughs> People sickles are not okay. Uh, Xavier, you mentioned earlier. You mentioned was it first and ten earlier? What's, what's going? What else yeah. are you working on here? Yeah, first. Yeah, first in pen, first uh, first piece for them. Um, they've been trying to give me a piece for them out for a while, uh, but this is going to be about John Morant and a lot of the complexities of it's called John Morant Breaks the Black Thug Rule. Nice. It sounds intriguing. We appreciate your time, my friend. Love you. We'll see you. Love you, guys, too. Have a great Love weekend. You. There he is. There he is. I, I, just want to touch on the Martha, I just want to touch on the Martha Stewart thing. Um, just for the record, if if a, if a if a magazine like SI with the one with their most popular issue every year for decades is going to give an ex felon a chance, then I think all let's let's never slam a company. You know, if they say, "Well, we don't want that kind of character," he, that person's he or she's an ex felon. Well, you gave Martha Stewart a chance. Everybody deserves a second chance.